I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Following the leak draft opinion coming out of the Supreme Court, the extremes on both the right and the left continue to push extreme options and angry rhetoric. With this kind of divisiveness, we've got to think differently. I'm going to show you that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on the left and Mia Love on the right can be right, while Mitch McConnell on the right and Chuck Schumer on the left can be absolutely dead wrong. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, this has been an interesting 48-hour period as this leaked opinion from Justice Alito Uh, has come out. Of course, the divisiveness has escalated. The rhetoric has escalated. A lot of fake fights and false choices have been presented by both the right and the left and the left and the right. And we're going to break down some of those things and look at it in just a little different way today uh, to help us just think about this in a little different way. It's so easy to just go with the headlines. We have to get past the headlines and have a different kind of discussion uh, when it comes especially to these kinds of issues. And it can be done. Uh, so rather than just dismissing uh, whichever party you don't like or whichever politician you uh, have disdain for or contempt for, let's look at it just a little bit different. Uh, I'm actually going to start today with uh, an interesting exchange that took place last night on CNN. A uh, former congressman from the state of Utah, Mia Love, uh, and Jeffrey Tubin from CNN had an interesting exchange uh, where I think uh, the congresswoman got it right in terms of where a particular focus can be and should be as part of the entire discussion. Here's Mia Love. And what we should be working on, honestly, this is the thing that really bugs me. What we should be working on is giving more women more access, more opportunity so that they can control their reproductive health. It bugs me every time I go to a CVS and I can get, you can get condoms over the counter. You can get plan B over the counter, but you can't even get contraceptives. You can't get birth control over the counter. It's difficult to do that. We can't. I I worked on this bill to give more people more options, more women, more options so they don't have to make a decision between keeping a life and ending a life. So it's former Utah Representative Mia Love uh, making that case, which interestingly, uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez also took a similar path on a bill 
uh, to do just that, to give women more of those options upstream so they, they don't face that tough decision. Uh, we're going to talk about why that hasn't been happening. Uh, but before we do that, uh, CNN pundit Jeffrey Tubin uh, pushed back uh, in an interesting way. Uh, he was supposed to be talking about a different question and, and went back and presented the perfect false choice scenario, uh, pushing back on former Representative Love. What are the penalties? You know, what are the penalties? Let, let me ask the Congresswoman. I mean, you know, you think that abortion is the taking of a life. Congresswoman, how many years in prison should a woman get if she just, you know, not a rape, it wasn't a product of a rape or incest, just an unwanted pregnancy. She has an abortion in Utah. She took a life intentionally. How many years should she go to prison for? So that was Jeffrey Tubin. Uh, and again, that was a, a really interesting false choice. He, he first said, uh, look, you say that's uh, taking a life. And uh, clearly it is a life. Uh, the science clearly shows that. Uh, and viability uh, outside the womb has been proven to go down from what we once thought it was, especially what we thought it was back in 1974. Uh, and, and so he presented this false choice argument, which, again, is part of the whole problem. Now, I, I want to go to uh, to what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez went through when she took a very similar bill, a very similar approach to what Representative Love did while she was in office and uh, went through this same thing in terms of birth control pills being over the counter. And here's here's the think again moment in all of this. The biggest resistance, the lobbying resistance to Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez bill to make birth control available over the counter and easier access, especially to women who are in poverty, the greatest resistance came from Planned Parenthood and the pharmacy lobby. Now, you might say, now, wait a minute, that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense. But it does make dollars and cents. And I think it, it created some a very incensed <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Really interesting. Uh, Planned Parenthood brings in $1.7 billion in revenue annually, uh, according to a financial report. 27% of that uh, comes from those services. So a, a big chunk of that $1.7 billion that goes in uh, is providing... Those uh, kind of birth control pills. Uh, and then obviously uh, you've got the the pharmacy lobbying uh, also going in because they would much rather see that go through insurance. And so everyone can kind of skim their little pieces off. And so rather than focusing on who are we trying to serve and what is the biggest opportunity there, we end up with these fake fights and false choices of what actually can be done. Now, the good news is that the number of abortions in America has gone down uh, over the years. And that's a that's a good thing. It's an important thing uh, in terms of respecting life. And so that is one aspect of this battle over the last 48 hours, where, again, you have two people from very different ideological camps in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and former Representative Mia Love, both coming to the table uh, during their careers to say, look, we got to get upstream from this problem and make sure that there are the right resources, the right opportunities, the right support mechanisms, the right education, all of those things, all of the above, and have that discussion. But instead, we don't. So then we start looking at things like, okay, what's the rest of the rhetoric look like? 
Uh, and again, Republicans and Democrats alike have gone to the extreme of the rhetorical perspective to try to make their case. Yesterday, before the sunset, my spam filter <laughs> captured a host of fundraising emails from Democrats and Republicans alike trying to raise money off of this issue. That this is now the burn down the house, uh, we've got to have 50 bucks from you or everything's going to collapse kind of fundraising email. Uh, also wrong. Uh, back in 2020, you may remember in the middle of the Supreme Court nomination process, uh, you had uh, Chuck Schumer uh, on the steps of the courthouse threatening Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh uh, if the Supreme Court did not rule in a certain way. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Now, that coming from the leader of the United States Senate on the steps of the Supreme Court is wildly inappropriate. Not to be outdone, Mitch McConnell, of course, has taken to the floor of the United States Senate on numerous occasions to demonize the other side, uh, to talk about the left uh, and what they are doing. And equally wrong and wildly inappropriate on the floor of the United States Senate. Uh, the, that's where we should get to the principles and the policy debate, not the political rhetoric. Now, I think the most important thing, and you've heard me talk about this, is the, the breach of trust inside the Supreme Court is what really worries me. Because that breach of trust inside the chamber uh, will also reverberate around the country. And this is a, a real culture of trust. Uh, Utah Senator Mike Lee, who of course was a law clerk to Justice Alito, uh, explained just how critical it is and how important it is to the Supreme Court that draft opinions are destroyed. And uh, he described what he had to do as a law clerk uh, when he was a law clerk to get rid of and destroy early drafts of decisions. You know, in order for this to happen, a lot of protocols have to have been circumvented. Each law clerk, each justice has four law clerks. Each law clerk has uh, access to these opinions as they're circulated. They typically don't print them out when they need to print them out. They follow an established set of protocols. When they're finished with them, they don't just throw them in the wastebasket. They put them in a burn bag. They take the burn bag and they shred it twice, vertically, horizontally, creating confetti. Then after they've shredded it, they burn it and they wow. turn it into slurry, all before it leaves the custody of the Supreme Court. So these things had all been violated or overlooked, circumvented, perhaps deliberately, in, in order to release this. Uh, so that shows you how serious they are about draft opinions not being out in the public. That they would put it in a burn bag, that they would shred it twice, they would then burn it, and then they would mix it and make it into a slurry before it ever left the Supreme Court building. That shows you what a breach of trust that was. But the most important thing for all of us is to go back to where we began. And that is we have to get past the headlines and we have to get past the political rhetoric of this. And then we can have a discussion that can actually lead us 
to a better result. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.